Even yeah. though, you know, I mean, he, he, he burns pretty hot. But yes, he don't. All right, you ready for a cold weather edition of Classical, classical rebellion. rebellion? Boy, I did all the classical rebellion. That's very rhythmic of you. I, I, yeah, but it's on the beat. So it's classical rebellion. It would be more like. How could we do that more? Classical rebellion. No more postmodern. Is this going anywhere? It's going somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Let's just have some fun, John. Okay. I'm all for that. It's the day before Thanksgiving. It is Thanksgiving. Which means we're almost to Christmas. That's right. We're in that we're in that gray area between and, and you know, it's Thursday to Sunday is the gray area between Thanksgiving and the first Sunday of Advent. It's yeah. it's coming up quick. It's not gray for me. No. I've been in Christmas for quite a while now. Well, I have to admit, I'm I'm like doing a soft transition ah. into Christmas. I've been, I mean, I had my lights up on Monday. They're nice. they're not on yet. Well, uh. but today I left some of them on in the backyard. It's yeah. like it feels good. I think I think it it's it's warranted. We want people want Christmas. Let's let's get some yeah. Christmas stuff. <laughs> Don't understand you know? the too early. No, I mean, no, come on. Okay, if All it's right, in October, that's... maybe. But, you know, I mean, come on. It's yeah. late November and people right. are ready for it. And they're ready for the onset of winter. Look, I'm not ready for the commercialism of it. I could not care less. I don't really do no. much of the commercial side of Christmas. No. We I... take a trip. That's what my kids and I do. We don't really do gifts. I asked them, trip or gifts? Trip. And they said trip. Yeah. Absolutely. I yeah. take the trip. Right. So we, and you know, I mean, as far as, far as I'm concerned, I mean, I, 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 uh, it's a tradition with me to look at each Christmas as an opportunity to reclaim some lost Christmas treasure. I, I, oh. I haunt charity shops and and go, that's an overlooked gem that needs to be saved, you know. And then I, I love that. We need to do this. We need to have an episode of that. following you to charity shops, as you're calling them. Well, I mean, it, we they, call they're them the ones, secondhand thrift stores. They're, well, what, that's the so, English. They, yeah. they call them charity shops. Charity I mean, thrift shops, shops okay. uh, whatever you want to call it. Sure. They, that's where there's so much Christmas spirit there. I really want to do this now. I want to go. They've got all this stuff, and they're yeah. like, they're here, it's cheap. Use it, you know. And right. I'm like, and not that I need it, but I look at it and I go. I want to do something with that. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like that that deserves to be put up someplace, you know. So I bought a little Christmas tree today. Ah. A little tiny. So they, like they, a, the people who checked me out called it the, their Charlie Brown tree. Oh. I said, I'm I'm going to fix this up. That's I'm right. Gonna... A la Charlie Brown. Yeah. I guess it's Linus that does it. He puts the blanket around the tree. Well, he does. Right. But I mean, Charlie tries. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> he always tries. Well, speaking of Charlie Brown Christmas, mm -hmm. I you mean, got a kind of a Charlie Brown look going here. <laughs> I do. Uh, to, to if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about Christmas, you got to talk about Christmas Vince Guaraldi is here. That's a, a piece that if you go lo, 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 in front of a bunch of kids, yeah. they will all sing it back to you. Yeah, one of the most Even instantly now. recognizable tunes. Yeah, and that so that's a that's a tune that bespeaks winter. It mm -hmm. bespeaks. Christmas, it, bes it bespeaks the holidays, yeah. and it's a part of the culture. And it is a beautiful waltz. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. Yeah. So we'll do that coming up within the next couple of weeks. We're going to do our we'll mid-century Christmas playlist. Absolutely. There's a yeah. lot to talk about. Oh, there's a lot, man. It's, <laughs> heard, my, <laughs> I got a twinkle in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I got yeah. something fun for you on that. Oh, good. Okay. But right. right now. Yeah. But now we're talking... 
We've we're got talking little, winter. We've got the, the storm of the century on the West Coast, apparently. Except that I'm looking up and seeing stars right now. Even yeah, we had a little rain today. But we had some rain, yeah. and it's cold. And they say we might get some in the mountains. Flagstaff's mm -hmm. getting snow. it big time right yep. now. Okay. If only they were doing a ring cycle at, uh, yeah. in, in Flagstaff. But nevertheless, mm -hmm. uh, we thought we'd talk about some, some, some cold weather cold music. Weather music. Would you like to start? Sure. Okay. So I was on the way over here. I was uh, ha having a sort of a refresher with uh, Tchaikovsky's Symphony Number no. One, Winter Dreams. Oh, Winter Dreams. Winter Dreams. Yeah. There it is. And it's a funny thing, you know. I mean, when you listen to it, you think, well, it has that very minor modality to it of Russianness, and but with with uh, the delicacy of sparkling flutes and you know the glinting sunlight off ice and things like that. But what is it that's particularly wintry about it? I'm not really sure. I think Tchaikovsky was snowed in and thought, yeah. I'm going to be here for a few weeks, so I might as well see what I can put down on paper. Right. And yeah. so these are his winter dreams. Yeah. These are so what he's, he's just thinking about, snowed in. Yeah, there's a couple different directions you can go with uh, cold weather music. You can go with I mean, uh, actual music <laughs> about cold weather, or you can go with music to keep you Warm, warm by. Well, it, this is true. Music I think, for a fireside. I think Tchaikovsky was writing music to keep himself warm by because uh -huh. he's these he's this is music written in cold weather. Okay. In my humble opinion. Right. What, what do you got? Well, I'm starting with uh, literal cold weather. Okay. With um, can you guess? I thought you, I thought we might pick the same piece, so I was a little was a little concerned. Well, I don't know. The opening motif of the Bruckner Fourth Symphony is always looks like, you know, fingers of snow coming over the Eiger, you know, but... Yeah. Uh, no, I went more literal than that. Okay. With the Symphonia Antarctica. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> By Rafe Von Williams. It's, yeah, it's quite could... cold. In fact, um, people froze to death. That's true, but I mean, that could be written... That it, it, It's cold winter or summer in Antarctica. Yes, it is. Yes, it <laughs> that's is. That's cold weather yeah. music. So the Symphonia Antarctica was something Fon Williams put together after he composed the score to the movie Scott of the Antarctic. Got it. So that's from 1948, and then he was, you know... At that point, Scott was still a national hero for England. Uh, through the through kind of after the end of the 70s oh. then we got revisionists oh he was a bungler he shouldn't have died writing from the comfy confines of their oh sure you know, I mean well, academic hey he did it his way <laughs> yeah. and it didn't work but no. I mean that doesn't mean he didn't try yeah and I he mean, also came in second that's the can you imagine five weeks earlier? What, have you, it, what, what it must have been like to reach the pole and see the Norwegian flag yes. there I mean the crushing <laughs> yeah realization yeah it, no, it's a great tragedy. And but, I, I, but it wasn't him that was a bungler. Like, I'm, I'm reading up on the... Ex it was everyone... No one followed his orders. The dogs weren't sent to where he was... He'd asked them to be. Right. You know? And... Well, he also... He did it the hard way. I mean, Amundsen used skis. Ah. Uh, well, and Amundsen knew... They knew if we're going to get there, it's going to be cross-country skiing. Mm -hmm. And and Scott used the ponies and did it on foot. And that's, yeah. that's the hard way. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that symphony really... It makes really... sense for an Englishman to do that, though, and for a Norwegian to do skis. I mean, you just look at the history of the Winter Olympics to know. Well, that's true. I mean, there's Eddie the Eagle, Eddie that's the it. Eddie the Eagle Edwards. <laughs> the great man that he is. Yeah, he needs his own... But you know what? I'm, I'm a big Eddie, Eddie Edwards fan because that, he represented ah, the, true spirit, the true spirit of amateurism yes. and a man who yeah. was doing this for the love of it. Yeah. And that's what sports supposed to be, yeah. in in my humble opinion. But yeah, so, so listening to the Symphony Antarctica, it, 
it seems to me that I can't, I don't know which one was actually written before the other, but deriv Devon Williams being derivative of himself, as every composer is. But it sounds a lot of Hodier's thematic uh, material is used in the Symphonia Antarctica. And could be. To, to good effect. Uh, it's, but it's got the, the, the women's I think chorus. A, a composer like, like, like Vaughn Williams, if he recognizes that, that something that he's already written is a that's perfect for that. He has, yeah. he's, has the license to to do that. Of course. That. Of Transpose, course. why not? Yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about ODA can, probably Don't they call that later. sampling nowadays? They do. He, he could sample himself? himself. Yeah, most people don't sample themselves these days, though. They sample others. That's true. But uh, if, composers did as well. If you're a great composer. Vaughn Williams oh, did. Oh, with the Haydn Fantasia on a theme by Thomas Tellis. Haydn sampled a lot of people, at least stylistic. He, sa yeah. he, he sampled Purcell in, in the creation. He also sampled uh, uh, Handel. Yep. And Brahms and sampled, sampled Haydn with the Haydn variations. So, yeah. All right, well, I'm going to go okay. on with, a, with another um, cold weather suggestion. Mm -hmm. And that is um, The Voices of Spring by Johann Strauss. Okay. Which, you know, okay, everybody's familiar with the Rite of Spring and the yes. chunk, bum, 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 chunk, bum, bum, chunk, bum, bum. What mm -hmm. that is, is the breaking of the ice, right. the cannon shots, the ice when, when it breaks up on the rivers in Russia, it's, it breaks yeah. and it sounds like cannons going yeah. on. Boom. That's what that is. Mm -hmm. So it's the coming of spring. Of course, it's still very cold weather. It's yes, the it ice is. breaking. Well, I think... Strauss also paints a picture with the voices of spring. We start out with like little gusts of gusts of wind, pelting rain. In it free there's it fogs up in the middle. You know, it gets very, very foggy. And then we have and the the ice starts to move. And it starts to flow again. And then it seizes up again. And then it breaks again and it goes yeah. so I think there is definitely he's he's, he's tone painting okay. of what spring yeah. and I remember the first time I went to Europe I'm walking around uh, all you know in in uh, all all around Easter time and it was in late March and it was it was halfway between rain uh, and not and it huh. was just like it was like nature was spitting at me and it was like puh, 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 and just pelt little, little pelts here and there you know constantly uh -huh. And, uh, and it was cold, you know, but things were moving. And right. so I, I really recognize that in that music. So the Voices of Spring is definitely about the, 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 the breakup of winter, you know, in, mm -hmm. in Vienna, as far yeah. as I can, on the Danube. Right. So. And I'm going to go with the Sibelius Violin Concerto. I think that opening is snow falling on a very dark finish. Finish, is that right? Finish, yeah. 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 Forest. And just maybe there's a little light of a cabin in the distance to give you some hope. <laughs> <laughs> but I find that opening movement, just the, those first bars, just to be so evocative of a silence. It's not a storm. It's not a storm. But it's a steady, silent snowfall at twilight at the um well we're you know could be four o'clock in the afternoon mm -hmm. Finland at that point mm -hmm. um I just absolutely love the Sibelius violin concerto I don't love all Sibelius I'm not a necessarily a fanboy 
Well, pretty, I found my yeah. notes the other day of the, that I took up for the Sibelius Second on ah, the, the symphony. Mm-hmm. One of these days, I'm going to write that. I'm going to write up that review. Please do, because uh, I, there was a lot to say about yeah, it. Yeah, I love the second. I love the first, second, fifth for sure. Violin concerto. But he's a cold weather composer. <laughs> yes. Even yeah. though you know, I mean, he, he he burns pretty hot. But yes, he do. I mean, I know I could stay with. Um, in fact, I probably will. But I mean, uh, the, these the, uh, another so memory. All cold uh, weather people. Like another memory be, that I yeah. that I have. I mean, I could say obviously, Waldteufel's Skaters Waltz. Everybody loves yeah. that. But uh, th- there's a, a lovely ballet called Les Patineurs, um, which is uh, uh, I, I actually saw once at Sadler's Wells Theater okay. in um, uh, the new Sadler's Who wrote Wells it? Theater. Uh, it's actually Les Patineurs is arranged from themes. I want to say themes of Donizetti. Oh, okay. I, I, I believe. I, I don't quote me on it, but it's it's a it's a waltz based um, uh, assemblage of bel canto tunes, mm-hmm. and and it's absolutely lovely. Yeah. And, and and I I actually got to see it once. And it, Les Patineurs is the skaters. You ah, know? So okay. uh, it's all about ice skating. And if you're looking for a holiday treat. Highly recommend Les Patineurs. Where can we find it anyway? Just look up Les Patineurs. Les Patineurs. Uh, How do you say spell it? L-E-S-P-A-T-I-N-E-U-R-S. Les Patineurs. Patineurs. Yeah. Oh, very good. Very good. And I, I'll go with the obvious one, the Nutcracker. <laughs> well, yeah. Because I love it. Oh, I do too. I don't I know do that I'll listen to it this year. But I, I probably will. When I was in Moscow a few years ago, I went to see a performance of Yolanta at the uh-huh. big, at the big, yeah. at the Bolshoi in the big house, and it was amazing because I got a box seat right to the right of the um, of the royal box in the second tier for forty five dollars. I mean, that's a bargain price, yeah. and it was a summer yes, festival summer festival performance, okay. and they put the Nutcracker Suite on the fr- because Yolanta is a um, it's a it's a one act opera okay. in two scenes, and so they they the the first act the first scene is shorter than the second. So what they did is they put the the and at first I was thinking, you know, why is this on here? This is so strange. Turns out the same impresario commissioned the Nutcracker as commissioned ah, Yolanta. So that's the logic for having. Mm-hmm. So they used the suite to fill out the first half, and then right. they did the beginning of the opera, and then they did the second act. Right, uh, as okay. it's free, the second scene as a freestanding act, yeah. and it was it and, was really fascinating. And if you don't know, people, you know, but I didn't know really. I did, or it just didn't dawn on me, or I knew and forgot that Tchaikovsky wrote the Nutcracker in New York while he was visiting the United States. That's when he started it. He was did he in, start it in yes, New York? I didn't, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know that. I didn't know it. Wow. No. Okay. Here we go. No. New information. Yeah. Because I'm going to New York. Here do you know there's a, a recording? Weeks, there's a so. recording of Tchaikovsky's voice. Is there really? Yes, you should look at it. Maybe want to might maybe want to we'll stick it in. in get, there, yeah. put, stick that in there so people can hear it. Uh, he had a very high pitched voice. He's talking, and and he, he he's in with a whole bunch of other musicians that are being recorded, for example. And you hear his voice just interject something, and they they there's a the translation of what he says. Okay, yeah. but it's very fascinating. He had a very high pitched voice. Huh? Come high pitch, huh? What? Like a abnormally high pitch, or because like like well, uh, it's hard to tell right. on those seventy-eight RPM yeah. recordings of yeah. what portion of the but voice. But not a falsetto, is... not like a voice that had never really. No, no, oh, not okay. not like that. But but yeah. there, uh, he was clearly a tenor. Ah, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, so Nutcracker, what, 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 my favorite part of the Nutcracker is actually the pas de deux, the major scale. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you like that because it, I love it so much. Just what it does with the major scale. Yeah. It, you know, it's, well, we just it's we just finished. We talked about moment. that. Yeah. The, the 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 major scale there. The major scale at the end. Uh, the downward oh, yeah. major scale right. at the end of the Sassol Third Organ Symphony. Mm -hmm. The major scale at the end of Act One of Carmen. Yeah. I mean, uh, major scales. Major scales are frequently used <laughs> yes. as a as, yeah. as a cadence. <laughs> it was yeah. a cadential device. Yeah. So no, but I, I grew up listening to that yeah. uh, actually on 78s. My mm -hmm. dad had a set, which, which we still have, that was his when he was a child in the 1930s of Arthur Fiedler and the wow. Boston Pops. And uh, um, we still have it. And uh, that was my fir the first time I think I probably ever heard it. Mm -hmm. Actually, one of, my earliest, one of my earliest theatrical memories is going to see, hear the Nutcracker at the California Ballet in the Civic Theater mm -hmm. with orchestra. I would think I was probably about two and a half, probably about three years old. Wow. I think I was three. Um, I was very small, yeah. and the Mouse King apparently terrified me. And I and I, I and I turned around and I put my head down on the seat, and I wouldn't turn around for the rest of the show. But I listened to the music, right? The Mouse and King. I never forgot yeah. it. I guess it, depending on the costume, it could be kind of creepy. <laughs> Just a little odd. <laughs> True. True. Of course, there are now there are people that yeah. are into that. So I don't Actually, know. I've only got hey, one more. Do you have one more? Yeah, I got one more. Okay, go ahead. Um, there's also a, a wonderful arrangement by the Sauter family. Now, this is mid-century. Well, I'll come back to this. Um, okay. Of uh, by an, an, an American orchestra. I won't. I won't give it away. Okay. But there's a, a wonderful arrangement which we'll come back to of the famous Troika theme from the Lieutenant Kijay uh, yes. suite. <laughs> Wonderful yeah. tune. If that doesn't sound like a sled flying over, one, yeah. uh, flying over yeah. snow, it's absolutely wonderful. And I, I've got a great arrangement to share with you and with everybody because I think it'll, it could become one of your holiday fa uh, favorites. Ah. But the Lieutenant Kijay suite mm -hmm. definitely is evocative of, is. of Russian winter. Yeah, it's got a troika yeah. section. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm going second act lot one. The market, oh, the well, Christmas market. Course. Yeah, the Christmas Christmas market yeah, scene. I love well, it. for yeah. that matter, the, the Act Three as well. Act Three as well. Yeah. Act Three as well. A the, cold, definitely the, colder in Act Three. If the, than, the, uh, the, muse, the musical evocation of the still cold air and 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 the remnants of snow falling yeah. through it at the uh, Barrier d'Enfer outside Paris, as the the milkmaids and sweepers are trying yeah. to go into the city and early in the morning before light that it's just cold, sounds man. cold yeah it's cold yeah and i just learned this uh you have to write an article you have to write an article every week and i had nothing really but i've been doing the um well that never stopped you before <laughs> exactly so i started bullshitting <laughs> <laughs> and I've been doing these uh, music history things on our social media. So like something that happened today in music history. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And actually today's is Puccini's father's birthday. Today? Today, November 27th. Yesterday. Oh, okay. Okay. And so I looked him up and he's a composer. Okay, fine. I listened to a section oh, of that. Yes, yeah, I did. Yeah. It's, it's very impressive. It's fun, isn't it? It is fun. Yeah. It sounds like a like a like a very bel canto though. Eighteen thirty eight, something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's very orchestrally aggressive and yeah. gripping and yeah. rhythmically aggressive. I mean, it's really fun. Yeah. Lots fun of stuff. dotted rhythms, though. Man, it's very. Put a, put a link yeah. to it in no, the. I'll, um, I'll, I'll put a little, little bit. Definitely in there. put a link. I, I just he, want. To, his, go ahead. So, when Puccini's father died when he was six years old, at that point, a Puccini had been the Kapellmeister at the Cathedral in Lucca for 124 years. Really? So it went his father, his grandfather, his great grandfather, and his great great grandfather were all Kapellmeisters. Kapellmeisters at the cathedral. Now, wow. And in Luca. Uh, in Luca, yes. That's very interesting. We have a wonderful Lucchese Italian restaurant here in San oh, do Diego. Oh, yes, we do. And they make great sausage. <laughs> sausage. <laughs> <laughs> they make great yeah. sausage. And, but Luca is a fascinating Renaissance Italian city, very hmm. well preserved yeah. with its medieval walls and fortifications around the right. central okay. part of the city. Yeah. It's a stunner. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I know because Puccini's life is so fascinating with his extramarital affairs and the suicide of his of his maid and the fate of his estate, you know, the, the Italian government profiting off of Turandot for decades. <laughs> And even maybe he's got his son over here, and it's not this kind of dies in poverty. So his life and what comes after him is so fascinating. I never thought to look at his heritage. You're right. No, but, I, no yeah. I, I never thought but of there's, it either. There's, com there's compositions on YouTube by his father, his grandfather, and his great grandfather. Really? Now, the two, the, his grandfather and great grandfather, it's just classical. Style. I think we stuff. need to do a Puccini episode. We should. Okay. A, a Puccini yeah. musical heritage episode. Yeah. Really seriously, because yeah. from what I heard of his father's composition, mm -hmm. that was enormously entertaining. I think an audience would love it. If enormous. You could do a whole concert of the Puccini musical heritage. Oh yeah, because you, you really get could. you would get a stylistically classical, almost in well, hundred and thirty years. Yeah, for, but uh, the great grandfather. I don't think there's anything great. Great. But the great-grandfather, there's a piano sonata or concerto? If his, if his father died in about 1845 or so, that means 1745, 18, that means that it was close to the beginning of the 18th yeah. century when they became Kapellmeisters. Yeah. So it was well into the, the classical period yeah. that you wouldn't probably find any vocal polyphony. Mm. Maybe you might. Yeah. Uh, by the great yeah. great grandfather. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. It's it's it was fast. I was blown away though. No. One no wonders clue. what else might be sitting on the shelf in the cathedral in Lucca, you know, that hasn't been transcribed. Yeah, Maybe right. cantatas or... For sure. There's a lot of music mm -hmm. that sits on archival yeah. shelves yeah. that has never been transcribed. Just waiting for John Elliott Gardner to discover A lot. <laughs> a lot. Now, I mean, uh, but I, I did want to say, because we're broadcasting to you from San Diego, California, yes. uh, which is just uh, a, a part of which is La Jolla, California. Yep. And it, there are perhaps a lot of San Diegans who don't even realize that uh, the great coloratura soprano Amelita Gallicurci retired to San Diego in 1937 mm -hmm. and, uh, and lived and practiced uh, or, or, and taught here until her death in 1963. And the anniversary of that was yesterday. Right. And yeah. Gallicurci is a... I'd say you and about... Five other people are the only San Diegans that know well, this. Well, that may be, but I'm yeah. on a, I, I've actually sent out some feelers to see if there is anyone surviving in our area who might have had a lesson with her. Ah, yeah. And I, a couple of people uh, um, uh, have responded and said, no, I was, you know, and, and like one lady who's a voice teacher said, no, I, I was in high school up until 62, and then I went straight to New York, and, ah. and I'd never, I never had an interaction with mm -hmm. her. But... Uh, 
Golly Kurchi is a fascinating um, woman. She started out to be a concert pianist. So she was a okay. very capable musician. Mm. And like so many of the singers of the first part of the okay. century, they were literate in instrumentalists right. yeah. as well. And and she decided that uh, her her future lay uh, in in vocalism, and okay. she made it she made it pay. Yeah, she was also on the st uh, under contract both to Lyric Opera of Chicago and to the Met for about fifteen years simultaneously. Really, and she's the only person who who to have that kind of dual. She was in residence at, at Chicago for a long time, huh? And and still just worked at yeah. the Met when they wanted okay. her to. So. Yeah. Um, no, so, and, and interestingly, this will come as a surprise to some people, she was very into the Self-Realization Fellowship. Now, there is ah, a famous surf that's spot. That's very San Diego. That's very San Diego. There's a famous surf spot up uh, the coast in Encinitas called Swami's. Because it's in Surf in USA, yeah. Swami's. Yeah. And Swami's is, is the beach below the property of Swami Yogananda, who ran the Self-Realization Fellowship. Galikuchi wrote the introduction to one of his books. So she was deep. She was deep. <laughs> she was into it. Amelita. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe some. May, who knows? Maybe she even surfed. I don't know. That would be incredible. But uh, it's uh, maybe somebody has a picture somewhere. Yeah, because she would have still. Oh, she would have been. I mean, because surfing starts kind of after World War II in California. She didn't hang ten, but she could hang an octave. <laughs> she hung eight. <laughs> she probably could hang three octaves. <laughs> I bet she could. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, yeah. remembering Amelita Gallicurci mm, on her anniversary, yeah. somebody definite, if you've never listened to her, she was a huge recording star, had a, uh, an enormous impact on keeping the bel canto repertoire alive in the early uh, part of the 20th right, century. Before, she was a great Lucia. Yeah. Had a, a, a voice that recorded with an incredibly pure, um, it, it, some people have said it sounds like a, the size of a pea. Well, uh, I think that's actually more a function of the recording. Yeah. We've heard what the... That, Technology does. It voices. limits the it scope cuts it, of the at voice. At least in half. But she had extraordinary um, uh, coloratura and accuracy, and mm. was a wonderful performer. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for cold weather. Okay, cold weather. Classical, Classical rebellion. rebellion.